Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I come out of our five-and-a-half-day retirement and talk Summer League basketball. That was fast. Once again, we are back in it with another episode of the Front Office Podcast. The crazy part about it is, well, first of all, I'm, I'm joined with, with, I was going to bring you in a different way, but it wasn't going to connect. So let's, Sean Gantworkers, please be joined by Sean. What's up, Sean? That's right. I know all of you expected someone else, but it's me again. <laughs> I had a little segue, and I was going to bring you in on our prior conversation in pre-production <laughs> where lemon wings and at atlanta and lou williams re-signing with the atlanta hawks i wonder if magic city gave him a discount for that a, a hometown discount what's up sean how you doing brother like i said it wasn't gonna work that's why i didn't say it but the world heard it and they like what we had a whole different story you got. You got it. I would assume Lou Williams has some sort of billboard right now advertising this. Definitely. You know how, like, uh, Scotty Pippen used to advertise, like, Subway back in, like, 1993. I'm sure Lou Williams is on those commercials that air after, like, midnight. You know, the safe harbor hours. How was it living in Chicago during those times? I've never asked you that. To explain it to the people. Uh, it was, uh, it, it was, it was both incredible but also it sets you up for a little bit of disappointment because you know when you grow up and what for the first nine years of my life we won six championships or so come on people you you get used to it right and you get complacent so that's when you that's like the nine-year-olds in the bay area right or like those kids in new england who who won the patriots yes go ahead continue but, like, for every, like, you know, uh, Jordan, Pippen, Kerr, Rodman championship, then you get your, you know, your Elton Brands, your Ron Artest, you get your, uh, your you know, it, it kind of evens out. So I became very spoiled, which makes my current state of resentment uh, much, much stronger. But it was a, it was a very special time. Like, it's, it's why I'm on this podcast right now, because I fell in love with basketball just by watching the greatest team of all time go to work. You didn't see the Bears Super Bowl, right? No, uh, I did see them lose a Super Bowl in 2006. Right. Uh, I did not see a... What was that, Rex Grossman, right? Yeah, I saw I saw Rex Grossman. I remember screaming for them to put in Brian Greasy at halftime. Like, that would have done anything. I know, right? Uh, who was the running back, Matt Forte? It was, uh, no, we would have won. I contend if it was Matt Forte. Okay, okay. It was Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson. Whoa. Cedric Benson, Texas great. Whoa. That's right. And Thomas Jones from Virginia, right? Yeah. I believe so. I mean, Thomas Jones was good, but we phased him out of the offense because we drafted Benson with the fourth overall pick. And then Benson didn't do a damn thing in, in his entire Bears career. Goes to the Bengals, has two out, outstanding years. Goes oh, to the Packers. You guys picked him fourth. Yeah, it was infuriating. 
I remember that. So, and I'm thinking this was Cedric Benson's second team. No, this was the team that drafted him. I think it was fourth overall. I'm not looking this stuff up, y'all. This is coming straight off the dome. I promise you that. I'm Rain Man up in here. So, so you saw the Bears lose, but you grew up watching six championships. Yeah, and plus, I, I, I my White Sox won in 2005. That's so right. I can't say like I'm. That's that was my sec. That was my next question. Where your Cubs? Because they both won now, Cubs and Sox. So where? So yeah, your White Sox? Okay, South South Side, right? The Cubs thing was the worst day of my life. I can okay. Uh, but yeah, I have a I have South South Side family, which is interesting because I'm like the whitest man alive. So the um, guy, the Cubs guy who touched the ball, were you like yeah. trying to buy him dinner? Yeah, uh, a lot of people looked up Steve Bartman to try to kill him. Yeah. I, uh, I tried to make sure his family was secure for the rest of their life. <laughs> like, thank you! Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, I fooled you all, I'm a Sox fan! <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, let's do this again in 13 years, and he didn't show up. And then the two years that Michael Jordan played baseball, yes, you, di- you didn't know that you were going to win three after that, but mm-hmm. those two years, knowing that you could have won two, did... Did you feel robbed? I mean, I, I, I do, but in retrospect, I was pretty young at the time, right? Okay. So I didn't really know what I was missing out. Got the second three okay. is your is where you got into oh, it. Yeah. Okay. But when you look at like the Hugh Holland's call, uh, which basically screwed Scottie Pippen out of a championship just by being the lead man, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's something I'm very bitter about <laughs> to this day. I hear you choking up a little bit. <laughs> I need a little. I need to talk. But you have nineteen ninety five with uh, number forty five Michael Jordan coming in. Oh man, I remember when shape. I remember when Penny Hardaway stole the ball, and I was like, "Oh, Mike's not. He doesn't have it." And it I was think worth it though, just to see Michael Jordan's face when they were carrying Horace Grant off the off the court. Yeah, and being like, "Oh, this isn't going to end well for Horace." <laughs> so. The last three, Rodman show, show, hey, I don't, hey, this is where this starts, who cares? The last three, Rodman shows up, and now you're cooking with fire. So, was, I I saw that team too, but you lived there. Mm -hmm. Was Rodman just like a superstar dude? I mean, yeah, but he was almost like a circus attraction, right? Okay. Um... And, and probably ultimately in a bad way, you know, he was the first tabloid star I can really remember. Like, okay. I would get the same news on him from, like, the people I would, like, Princess Diana. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, he's dating Carmen Electra. Oh, he's dating Madonna. Oh, he's wearing a wedding dress. Like, look at this guy. Mm-hmm. And then you watch him on the basketball court and be like, oh, my God, this guy is just a, a freaking animal out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't help but be impressed. It was just, like, it was fascinating. Like, you felt like it was going to end terribly. And thankfully, it, it hasn't for the most part. Like mm-hmm. I think, I mean, Dennis is still alive, and he appears to have learned some lessons. But there was a while where you were like watching him, almost like expecting him to just explode at any day. Gotcha. After the after watching the Last Dance, now do do you feel like those two years a little bit uh, cheated, robbed? I mean, I, I do. I uh, I have a lot of resentment. Uh, for for Ryan, for Mr. Reinsdorf, mm-hmm. uh, not as much as I used to. Uh, this was the closure you needed. Uh, yeah, I mean there was it, it's a little bit of closure, right? Because mm-hmm. I was wondering what happened. There's some incredible books that gave some insight, especially playing. Uh, what is it? Uh, playing for Keeps by David Helperstam. 
is one of the most incredible books I've ever read, uh, just about the Jordan mentality and how that broke apart. But just being able to see everybody go on record and be like, no, I mean, Jerry thought they could do this in a financially feasible way rather than in the right way, and it, and it all blew to hell. And uh, because of that, I had pretty much walked away from being a Bulls fan until uh, they fired Gar Foreman and John Patson chose to retire. And I think The Last Dance played a huge part in changing that narrative into let's make the Chicago Bulls cool again. And that's why I'm incredibly happy with their offseason and back on track. So, speaking of back on track, segue to the new Bulls. They made some trades since the last time we talked. Um, mm-hmm. They got Zach Levine and Big Nick some much-needed help while they developed Pat Williams. And they got DeMar DeRozan. Who, who, well, let's talk about both trades, first of all. Um, I know that Lonzo Bull, as we are going to call him going forward, was the first pin to drop. And then DeMar came, which I thought was excellent. Especially, he still has mid-range, y'all. That game is still deadly. How, how are you feeling now about what's your optimism for these Bulls? I mean, I'm incredibly optimistic. I, I would say right now they're like a 50-win team. Uh, Ooh. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think people realize how well-constructed this Ooh. is. Ooh. What seed does that get them? Right? Um, I'm going to say fourth. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So they're going to be playing. Miami or Atlanta in that first round? Oh, my goodness. I mean, let's look at this in terms of last year, right? I mean, obviously, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nets are always going to be there. But you can put them up against the Hawks or the Knicks or the Celtics, depending on how that thing is. And the Knicks. I'd still think the Bulls could punch them in the face. Can you imagine Tom Thibodeau and D. Rose playing the Bulls in the first round of the playoffs? I mean, I, I almost think it's inevitable just because it would be too perfect not to happen. I think Sean's calling that right now. So, the Lonzo Ball trade and the DeMar DeRozan trade, I guess the NBA now is looking into some sort of tampering. What? Why would they do that? And I mean, I understand they have to, you know, you know, dot their I's and cross their T's as well, but and, and cover every, you know, leave no stone unturned. But what are you going? If something were to come of it, then they're not going to nix those trades. They can't, right? They can't, and um, I mean that's that was more or less settled because you'll notice the Bulls waited, I believe, until the eleventh to officially announce all these signings. So whatever was happening was happening behind the scenes, and they clearly got the green light uh, because the Bulls, for all of their faults, are a well-seasoned veteran organization full of guys who've been doing this for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. So they wouldn't have announced these trades if they didn't have some sort of certainty. Um, I mean, let's look at this in the big picture. Everybody tampers. It's ridiculous that uh, we're now finally penalizing this in a very calculated way. It started uh, with what happened at Bogdanovich last year. And now it's amplified because Adam Silver wants to save face and be like, we weren't targeting Milwaukee. No, sir, they were. Uh, they were trying to support all the teams that wanted to get Giannis in free agency, and that blew up in their faces. And it worked out spectacularly for Milwaukee. Now what we see is uh, the Heat basically announced that they were going to sign Kyle Lowry two months ago. Mm-hmm. We know the Bulls were actively pursuing Lonzo Ball during the last trade deadline. So right. whatever exploratory talks clearly happened there. And the common denominator is a guy like David Griffin in New Orleans who lost out 
on both of these players and is left with cap room and uh, Devin Graham as a starting uh, shooting guard. You know, I thought when, and, and this is just an opinion of, of no one. <laughs> I thought when Bogdan when the Bogdanovich deal fell through and immediately he goes over to Atlanta, I thought that that was one of those tell, telling the teacher moments. And, I, and, and Atlanta actually kind of, there's a possibility Atlanta actually kind of made that. Because these teams know, especially if they're in, in, in talks with a player, hey, Bogey, we want to bring you on, you know, for this deal. Ah, I'm going to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You know, don't waste your time. I'm going to Milwaukee. As a service, Bogey probably did that. You know, and oh, he is? Oh, you are. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Thanks for telling us. So these guys, they're in summer league right now. And we're going to get to summer league in a minute. But they're all hanging out and partying together and talking to each other and talking about future plans. Best believe there's somebody there in Vegas talking to another guy about next year. Yeah. About next year. Hey, let's try to team up next year. Who's Next year's got a nice free agent class, too. Let's try to get our teams to make some moves somehow, some way, and let's get together next year when free agency hits up. The, I mean, the, the, the big three in Miami literally formed during the Olympics. Right. <laughs> they all have these conversations, and I didn't see David Stern, you know, going uh, going like, no, 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 not today. <laughs> no, he let it happen because it was compelling television. And now what we're seeing is, once again, the NBA is incredibly reactionary. Just look at what they're doing by changing refereeing, right? Like, we all knew all of these uh, fouls where the shooter jumps into the defender and draws mm-hmm. it were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We've known that for nine years. Right. At least. At least. And we're doing, and we're doing this now. So, taking this back into the Chicago Bulls direction, my assumption is they're going to try to find them a lot of money and screw them out of a draft pick. It's going to infuriate me, and I'm going to think it's unfair, but at the end of the day, the Chicago Bulls are going to have a starting lineup with four guys who can shoot probably 40% from three, and DeMar DeRozan, who is an elite mid-range guy who can facilitate, along with five other guys who can pass. It's going to be really fun, and not to mention, this team is surprisingly young Mm. beyond that. They've got developmental guys like... Don't uh, forget about Ayo. Pat Pat, uh, Kobe White. Yeah. Uh, Marco Simonovic. Yeah. So we're not just looking at a team that signed a bunch of 31 and 32 year olds. Right. No, they signed one 31 year old guy, traded for another 30 year old guy, and then supplemented a 26 year old rising superstar with a bunch of young guys who can grow with them. So Zach will be going into a very nice last year of his contract from the Bulls' perspective. Yes. But Zach's got to get paid. And fortunately, the way the Bulls are constructed, they can pay him and then pay Pat Williams when it's his time. You know, they're they're already giving Lonzo his money, so that's out of the way. Yeah, and Zach- I think I mean that's the all of this was to convince Zach to stay mm-hmm. because you can't just keep missing the playoffs and then drafting a guy with the seventh overall pick and being like. Give us two years and let's see what Wendell Mar- Carter does. Give us three right. years and let's see what Lowry Markkinen does. Right. Because eventually, if I'm Lex Zavine, I say, screw it. I'm going to go play with Luka Donich. Yeah. yeah. And, 
and you don't want that. No. So everything <laughs> the Bulls did was incredibly calculated, whether it be giving up a bunch of young capital and draft picks for, for Vujovic, going for Alonzo, missing out on him on the trade deadline, and then nailing that down during the first day of free agency and everything thereafter. If this doesn't work and Zach Levine leaves, I don't think you can blame the Bulls management because they pulled out every single logical stop to make this happen. I think that this does give Chicago like a five seed, maybe even a four seed, because Zach's on a mission. He won three games for the first time in his career in the in the Olympics. <laughs> in the Olympics, uh, winning a gold medal in, in the process. So Zach's in the building and he's feeling himself and he needs to get paid for it now. Um, and, and I think you will. Yeah. All right. Enough of that Chicago Bulls talk. We oh. we weren't even going to start with that, but it was a great segue. I, these nine year old, ten year old kids in the Bay Area are feeling the same way about the Golden State Warriors because they got you know some rings in there. They got three rings in five years. You know. That's right. So these kids are like thinking that that Steph Curry walks on water just like Michael Jordan, right? And and they're, they're right, and they're and they're kind of. I mean, seriously, they're they're following and 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 worshiping these guys like they're the greatest thing, and it's kind of like, how can they not feel that way, especially when the Warriors two draft picks, summer league, Jonathan Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody are are they're they're doing pretty good together. And there's and the rest of these guys who have who's been your top three, top two summer league. One expected, and you're happy that he's doing it, and the other that no one thought he was doing it, but you, or thought he was going to do well, but you. Just rookies or basic summer league performance. You know what. You can have it both, Kashan, because I know what the summer league performance is going to be. A, a, a guy that is back, and we never heard of him, and he's 26 or 8 or whatever. Go ahead. Give me the summer league performance. Uh, so, uh, in terms of a guy I've been very impressed with, who uh, uh, Jalen Green. I know he mm. was the second overall pick of the, of, the, of the draft, so obviously the expectations are high. But he always seemed very, very raw to me. Mm. Um, just in terms of things he need to work with. And whatever he's done to his game after the G League Ignite season into Summer League is incredibly impressive uh, because his fundamentals look awesome. His shot looks more refined. His slashing towards the basket looks great. Um, I like how he's a little more aggressive than he used to be, but he's making smarter decisions. Right. Uh, and I, um, I can't say enough good things about how that guy's turning out. Right. Another guy I love and have loved forever is Jalen Suggs. Mm. Um, I will never understand why the Raptors didn't draft him, mm. um, unless Scotty Barnes, you know, turns into Scotty Pippen. In all he he, he will though, Sean. But go ahead. I think I think he might. <laughs> you and I both agree this uh, agree with this, right? It's very tough to teach a guy a jump shot. It's yes, it is. Difficult. Yes. And I, I love every other aspect of Scotty Barnes. And obviously, if he ever gets even a mid-range game, the dude's unstoppable. Yes. He's, he's going to be Giannis all over again. I think so, too. Yeah. Jalen Suggs right now, to me, has mm-hmm. always seemed like the sure thing. Yes. Uh, and the Raptors need a sure thing, particularly with Kyle Lowry in Miami right now. Right. And I'm not sure it's going to be Malachi Flynn. 
No. I'm not I'm not sure that uh Fred Van Fleet's not better playing off ball at the two. It's gonna be Scotty Barnes. And maybe it will be Scotty Barnes. And if that's the case, you know what? I'll go over to Masai Ujiri and give him a hug because he's clearly a very smart guy. Masai's um, about to mold this young man yeah. into greatness because he saw what he had in Kawhi and he's and he's pretty much and with Kyle and with Damar, good kids. And I can mold you and read, have a redo of Demar. And I didn't get Kyle as a rookie, you know. Um, I got Pascal. I'm trying. I'm working with him as well, you know. And and mold his guys into young men who know how to play the game together and who have good, you know, um, heads on their shoulders. Well, that's the interesting thing, though, right? Are you telling me that if they wouldn't trade Pascal Siakam as soon as they could, if they got a good offer? I don't think so. I think they regret that contract. I think they regret the contract, but I think in another year it's going to be a normal contract. I think you might be too, because I think the salary is just going to keep going up. Yeah. Which is why it's ridiculous, like, say, Zach Levine again, when the Sacramento Kings offered him that poison pill in the Kings match, we were all like, what is this big contract? Right. You watch, in a couple years, this is going to be beautiful. Oh, definitely. Look at Zach Levine, $19 million. I mean, come on. And Siakam's what, like five years, 34 or something? I'm sure, I'm sure in three years from now, he's going to be a mid-tier salary and he's still going to be about 29 years old. And he's, and exactly. The promise he used to. Exactly. With a, with a 23, 23-year-old 20, uh, Scotty Barnes right next to him. Yes. With Jalen Suggs winning his first MVP in Orlando. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I, do hope, I do hope Orlando gets a superstar and it's Jalen Suggs because they need that so badly. I think it is. Guy. I think it is Jalen Suggs. And what told me a lot about Jalen Suggs, and I'm not sure if he's going to change this or not, but Jalen Suggs wore number one at, at Gonzaga. And ideally, you would think that I don't think number one is retired in Orlando because after Penny Hardaway, I think Gilbert Arenas wore it. Well, he was agent zero. He was, a, well, somebody wore one. Oh, no, Jonathan Isaac. One of those guys are wearing one. You, you are right, though. It's it's one of those guys who they thought was going to be the next big thing. And and and, and I'm sorry, whoever it is, um, I need that number one, player. <laughs> yeah. I need it's that. Me. I can't be Jalen so, Suggs without that one. So if it is Jonathan Isaac. Hmm? Yeah. I mean, Jalen Suggs has a type of mentality, though, where he should be number five. And just right. like, this is where you draft him. Yeah. And, and, and he can take, yeah, and, and he can, comparisons are to Jason Kidd, so he looked just like him in that number five. Yeah, and, and maybe in a couple of years, uh, Jalen Suggs can be a terrible head coach, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think, so I don't think that Jason Kidd is going to be a terrible head coach. What I think is Jason, just like everyone, when you're starting a new career, a new job, you know, from middle school to high school, from high school to college, mm-hmm. you're not going to know as much as as much as the people that were already there. OK, so Jason Kidd was learning on the job in Milwaukee, had a cup spilled on him in Brooklyn, which I think was brilliant. It's just too many cameras now. I it's too many cameras where somebody can get his lips saying, hit me. <laughs> if that camera wasn't there, and I watched Malice at the Palace last night. And if you got you guys got to watch Malice at the Palace on Netflix. Um, the cameras were, they were able to identify people who threw the beer and the dude who threw the chair and, and all that. And 
yeah, sometimes it's good, but some we didn't need to see Jason Kidd say hit me so he can drop that. That's a that's a real OG move. See that kind of strategy, I really like. It's the kind of strategy where you tell like Giannis Antetokounmpo to or Chris Middleton to miss a free throw when you're up by th- when you're already up by three because you think it's harder to hit a uh, a half court shot than it is to uh, be up by four <laughs> and a four point play, right? <laughs> Yeah, like, come on. Just and, don't uh, foul. <laughs> from Giannis's book. Go ahead. Did you Did you read them? Oh no, I have not. Okay. Well, hold on. Well, this is this is going to be a whole other thing. Okay. Let me finish out the summer league thing. I love what Leandro Ball is. Leandro Ball is doing. See, see, I'm, Sean, you're still in my thunder. I'm so proud of that dude because he took so much crap, and he was just a kid. He couldn't control how his father spun the thing. Though it happened in China at UCLA was frankly his fault, but he was a kid too and shouldn't have ruined his life. And the fact is that that guy put in his work, asked his brother's workout partner, impressed the right people, got an opportunity, and he's making the best out of it. So I'm very proud of him. Good job, Sean. I'm smiling right now. I'm cheesing right now. Now let me go back to crapping on Jason Kidd. <laughs> go All right. Ahead. So do you remember, um, let's do the math. It was 2014. There was a center from Virginia Commonwealth University that was an advanced metrics darling. Uh, do you remember what his name was? From BCU. How tall was he? He was about 6'9", uh, but with shoes, he was 6'10", 6'11". Oh, I want to say Larry Sanders, but... <sighs> You are right. Okay. It was Larry Sanders. Wow. Now, do you remember what happened to Larry Sanders after he got his his giant max extension? Man, Sean, I'm I'm having a deja vu moment right now. I'm trying to tell you. Earlier today, I'm sitting in the car, and I'm thinking about Larry Sanders. I am not kidding you right now, dude. I I was thinking about ideas of what we can talk about today. Yes. And somehow, Larry Sanders came up. And, and DeJounte Murray, here's what happened. I had a daydream that I was, that, that ESPN said, hey, we like you guys so much that you guys are going to do um, coach interviews between quarters. <laughs> so I got popped one after the first quarter. And, uh-huh. and, right, and DeJounte Murray was having a terrible game. And I said, I didn't know what to ask him. I was so nervous. So I said, pop. DeJounte's out there tripping, bro. Like, in the first quarter, like, he hit two shots, and then Davion Mitchell locked him up. Like, what's going on with him? And then Pop looked at me and said, dude, that's the greatest question I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and then and he said, he gave me the answer. He said, I don't know, but we're trying to work. He kept it so real. We're trying to work with DeJounte, but Davion Mitchell is just a pit bull on defense. Like, it was a whole like conversation and he said I said thanks pop he said no you get two questions <laughs> and I said oh okay in a bone and ribeye do you do cab pinot noir or or merlot and he said this guy somebody hired him and then he walked off and I just stood on camera like uh back to you Mike <laughs> and so anyway third quarter comes back up and he says, I had time to think about your question. 
He said, these guys are so, they're playing at a C level because they're waiting to get their second contract. Their second contract with all this money that's happening, they're cool making a million dollars, two million, three million a year on their rookie deal, but they're going from 30 to 40 to 50 million dollars by the time they're becoming. Then they'll play hard. They don't want to play hard right now because they feel they might hurt themselves and miss out on that money. So they're going to have half ass it until they get to that and make it on the second contract. And then he said, kind of like what happened to Larry Sanders. <laughs> He said, once Larry got his second contract, he didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. He said, and then I said, you know what? It's kind of like Jamarcus Russell. He didn't care about getting the second contract because that first 20 million was enough for him. I'm tired of getting up at five in the morning. Oh, I mean, it was enough to get him all the, all the scissor up he wanted. <laughs> it was, it was, and Molly too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I get an extra shot of Molly, please? <laughs> would you like that with a? Uh, uh, would you like your glass dipped in Coke? Sure. <laughs> of course I would. <laughs> Make sure you method the rim first. <laughs> okay. So anyway, and that's staying. I'm not editing that out, you guys. Yeah. So leave it in. Yeah, that's staying. Sorry. <laughs> Nancy Reagan already told y'all. Anyway, drugs, yeah. Okay, so. But, but he, like speaking of speaking of drugs, so Larry Sanders. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I got. That's crazy, I Larry Milwaukee, Sanders. He, when I started in Milwaukee, he was the big thing. Yes. This was our this was our big three. So we got uh, Larry Sanders. We had John Henson. Yes. Who, by the way, I have nothing but good things to say about John Henson. Yes. John Henson, one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah, he looks like a nice guy, too. He's, he's awesome. Yes. Just, just utterly awesome. Yes. But they swung a huge trade uh, for Brandon Knight to get rid mm-hmm. of Brandon Jennings. Yeah. A guy named Chris Middleton was thrown in that trade. Yeah, I remember that. Just for salary purposes, they signed O.J. Mayo mm. to a big, big deal. Got Zaza Pachulia to be their center. And then they drafted... This, this little Greek weakling named yeah. Giannis and Dedekunbo yeah. yeah. with the 13th pick in the draft. Yeah. Okay. So we have Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders is lethargic to start the year. We can't understand why, but we know he got this big contract. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry Sanders starts missing some games for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And then this is publicized, by the way. I'm not talking crap. Larry mm-hmm. Sanders is... Um, in a brawl at a street at a at a strip club, uh, I remember throws, that throws a bottle at the people and slices open his thumb, uh, tears a ligament, and um, ends up needing to get surgery. Man, I thought it was Plexico was on a one and done. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Uh, so Larry <laughs> Sanders more or less misses the rest of that year, and you write off that initial year of the salad as as the initial year kind of as as a write off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because okay, he, he he got his money. He panicked. Larry Zinn starts to talk about some anxiety problems, and he starts to talk about how he doesn't really love basketball anymore. He's very interested in two things: uh, skateboarding, and he likes music. Uh, in addition to that, Larry has uh, as a very young child, who's the most adorable kid in the world, by the way, a really a really nice baby mama. I don't want to get into that personal stuff either, but that's a factor too. So here's what we find out. Um, Jason Kidd comes in, 
uh, management, new management takes over. They change that team, rebuild it to be more about Giannis being a point guard, uh, start, start taking less of the emphasis off on Larry Sanders, and Larry Sanders starts having missing practices and having panic attacks. And one day, he kind of just disappears from the team mm. and disappears from basketball entirely. Mm. Uh, a couple months later, he announces he's retiring, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, "I what? He just he just didn't love the game." Okay. <laughs> so that's a summation of the Larry Sanders thing, right? Right. Um, a couple days ago, some excerpts from uh, Giannis's biography uh, come out, and what we find out is um, there was a practice where uh, Jason Kidd basically runs Larry Sanders into the ground, questions his manhood, uh, says he's soft. Larry Sanders, this coincides, by the way, with the last game Larry Sanders ever played as a Milwaukee Buck. He goes home, checks himself into into a hospital just for psychiatric evaluation, never plays another game in Milwaukee. Just never plays. And that's that's the type of man that Jason Kidd was in Milwaukee, mm. and that's why I uh, remain very hesitant to think about him with guys like Luka Doncic, with guys like Josh Kareen who are twenty years old, guys like Tyrell <laughs> Terry who clearly need seasoning. Like I trust Mark Cuban, and I do think their GM that they got in place is a very very good people person. Uh, so I hope he can uh, he can he can navigate some of that, but uh, there's a reason why young promising people like Larry Sanders and Thon Maker uh, never became anything, and some of that's their fault. Some of it is the fault that Thon Maker uh, turns out he was like 35 when they drafted him or something. Uh, but uh, a lot of it, you know, is is the coaching and the player development. So I wasn't in Milwaukee. So I, 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 I hear everything. I did hear some excerpts from Giannis, but none come to mind. But that sure didn't. But I definitely guess I got to read that one. Um, I hear you when when you speak of Jason Kidd and Larry Sanders. So so first of all, mental health is very real. Um, if you watch Malice in the Palace, you'll look at some of the things that Ron Artest is. He, he had some things going on. And, and he and was it's the same thing with Rodman, right? We treat these guys Tyson, all that, human definitely. And, and our and, test is perfect, right? Perfect example. And and maybe maybe Jason Kidd didn't know how to empathize with Larry Sanders' needs, and maybe he thought that tough love. See, because there's there's a couple of things going on here. I don't think Larry Sanders knew what was going on with himself. I don't and, think so too either, because he's self medicated. Exactly. Not about hard drugs. Right. He did a lot of pot, just a lot of pot. A lot of people do a lot of pot. <laughs> yeah, which is true, yeah. right? but like, but right. in a medicinal capacity, right. not just like I'm using this right. just to be Definitely. And, and And one day, I think the, the league will, I think they cut down on their marijuana testing, so they're, they're becoming a little bit more comfortable with, with that direction. Um, but the other side of it was, so not only did Larry Sanders and his people not know what was really going on, the same could be said for Jason Kidd, who, who, there are people who don't really know how to empathize towards things they've never come, they've never been around. You know, it's it's the world we live in, you know, and and it's it's kind of like that kid down in in the backwoods of Tennessee, um, coming out and seeing like a group of black people for the first time in his life, and he's like fifteen. <laughs> it's like, <"Maw!" laughs> 
check it out. You know what I mean? So, so, so that's that's kind of like what it is. So Jason Kidd probably couldn't empathize because he had never been in that situation before with being able to help someone with mental health. So he just probably thought he was being that coach and just digging into that player, just like, oh, he's soft. Let me break him. And that's the coach and Jason Kidd. Now I think. Then that moved over to Brooklyn, but that team was just old, and that was just that wasn't gonna work, you know. Yeah. Um, so they just cut bait fast, you know. Once you know those that made Boston, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Thank you very much. Um, now I think with Jason Kidd sitting on the Lakers bench, I think that that helped his coaching maturity, that helped his man his maturity overall. That helped him probably humble himself, which we all need some of. And it made him hungrier and made him more appreciative. Watch Alvin Gentry, the next gig he gets. You know, and, and then you, you bring up Nico Harrison, the, the Mavs GM. This dude is the king of relationship building. You know, a, a Nike CEO. So he's... He's, or not CEO, I'm sorry, Nike exec. Um, but he's, um, he's not the Nike CEO. Know your content before you put it out, people. That's what uh, someone, that's what someone. Google, I'm Google, you will see he's clearly a Nike exec. Right, exactly. I'm going to send it to your Instagram. Dude, some of the stuff is hilarious that I get, but some of the other stuff is like, you know, okay. Cool. Yeah, we 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 we'll, we'll try to bring it up, but yeah, some of the stuff is yeah, See, fact only, checkers out there. The only listener feedback I take is from my mother, who says she's proud of me. See, there you and go. Everyone else. Fact, but but Nico was is the king of um um relationship building. I mean, he yes. was doing that every day at his job at Nike. So imagine all of the people that are. Hey, what's up, Nico? Hey, what's up? What's up, Mike? What's up, MJ? Well, look at what happened with uh, Mark Eversley. Right. With the Bulls. Right. Same deal. Same deal. Really good friends with DeMar DeRozan. Flies to LA and meets with DeMar DeRozan and in the span of two hours convinces him not to take a contract with the Clippers and to come to Chicago. Look at Leon Rose, what he's doing in New York. Leon Rose as well. All yeah. those guys. The worldwide Rob. Yeah. Definitely. All right, here's my here, here's my two rookies. You said three, so I'm gonna go three as well. Well you okay. you so Jalen Green is is I, I I'm fascinated by him. I think Jalen Green is gonna average thirty points a game in the next two years. That's why I thought the Pistons should have moved back and took those other two picks in our mock draft because I would have loved to slide Jalen between Killian and and uh, Sadiq as opposed to Cade being there. You know, and have two later picks. Um, and at that time, uh, yeah, Usman Garuba, Detroit could have used him. And then, you know, the second rookie that I like, well, Cam Thomas with the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. Now that's unfair, but the, the Nets just got him. They, they're not, they, people don't understand him and, and De'Ron Sharp. And I sent this text to a couple of buddies. If, if Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving do this correctly and go the CP3 route in Phoenix, they can make Cam Thomas a top 10 player ever. If they do this correctly, if they work out with him, work with him, mold him, shape him, show him all of their moves, by the time he's 23, 24, this dude could be 
one of the greatest guards ever. Just because of he already has the motor. And with that training, he'd be unstoppable. I mean, he has, he's going to have great mentors, right? Right. Uh, the, the question is, though, whether they're interested in teaching him that kind of stuff or if he's going to, like, take, take him to a pro-Palestine rally and Harden's going to take him to the club. Like, it's just a matter of... So... I think, Dur- I think Durant will certainly be helping. I think Steve Nash, we can't say enough about right. him. Right, right. Uh, and I think you're right that that in terms of athleticism, that as soon as you instill proper coaching into camp, the sky is the limit. Sky is the limit. Uh, the other guy that we didn't mention, and another team that has I, I, I had this is my I knew it moment. Jalen Johnson. That's true. That's, you see I, that dunk field? Oh thing? come on! Off the off the rebound? Come on, dude. Yeah, this dude. Travis Schlink, he's not saying, dang, we shouldn't have signed John Collins. <laughs> he's not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But in a year when they go small, when they go small with, with Jalen and John in there, they might even take John out and throw a, a Congo. I don't know. God, they have options now. The Atlanta Hawks, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Um, Sharif Cooper's balling too. Yep, I mean, Sharif, everybody was, uh, and everybody was in love with him. The only notion was whether he could develop a, a proper jumper, and now it looks like all the things we we're hoping to translate, regardless of jump shot, are, are there, right? The, the game management, the passing, the ability to drive around guys, he's, he's impressing the hell out of me. You know, one team that I think is very happy, I mean, because Summer League is all about Okay, we're we gotta make sure that these we got this right. The guys we drafted, let's see if they are who they say they are, who we think that they are. Now for now, fortunately and unfortunately, they're probably better than half the guys on those um summer league rosters. So they're still toying with college guys, so to speak, in, in the playing capacity game or comparison. But what the Rockets did with those four guys, um what a what a draft. What, what, come on, dude. Come on, dude. Sengun is is a man amongst boys. Yeah, that's what I want to say. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll kiss your butt for that one. I, I think Sengun should be up there in terms of people who are impressing me because I uh, I did not think he was this far along in his development already. Come on, dude. And and they just got the clearance for Garuba to start playing. Um, Josh Christopher is also pretty awesome. So look look at Houston real quick. Let's just say take out Christian Wood. You take out John Wall. Let's just say one day Christian was like, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't have time to develop. And John Wall's like, you know what? I'm going to stay here in BCP. Three of these guys come off the bench. I'll be the sixth man. Can you imagine a starting five of Sengun, Garuba, KJ Porter, Jalen Green, and KJ and Kevin KJ Martin and Kevin Porter Jr.? That starting five of young, athletic, Guys who can go up and down the court. Houston is, you know, when they call Nash and say, Houston, we have a problem. Houston doesn't have that problem anymore. No one needs to answer that phone right now. <laughs> that, that's an incredible young core. And it's even more exciting, the idea that they can use Porter Jr. as a point guard. Yes. Which is just <laughs> absurd. And let Green just do whatever he, oh. he wants along the perimeter. Whatever. Whatever he wants. That team might be, that team might be like, 
that they they jumped OKC in in terms of can't wait to see them in two years, right? Yeah. Huh. I mean, uh, Sam, Sam Presti continues to do very very weird things. Um, he gets a lot of interesting pieces, but I don't think they fit together nearly no. as well on paper as what no. Raphael Stone's doing right now. Right. And I think it's even more impressive that Raphael Stone has completely flipped this roster. In one year. John Wall and uh, Marcus Cousins to what they have right now. In one year. they and, and they can still make some, they can get rid of Eric Gordon for a future first if they wanted to. And, Unquestionably. You know, and, and Christian Woods, somebody will take him for a future first. I, that's what I do. I would try to package like John Wall, Gordon. I mean, admittedly bad contracts, but you throw Christian Wooden there, take back one bad salary, and then a couple even second round draft picks. Just clear cap for and playing time for all these young kids, and just watch what happens. I'm keeping John Wall and that contract. Here's why: so Christian Wood is still very young and can go get a third contract. Uh-huh. Um, so I can send him somewhere and pretty much say, hey. You can go somewhere. Somebody give us a future first for this guy because he's going to help you win, right? Like yeah. Portland, give us a future first for him, right? Um, Eric Gordon, he's on the. He's not getting another big contract. So, but a team like someone could use him for his guard play in the playoffs. Philly could give me a future first for him. You have money, you'll take it. But with John Wall, I'm keeping him because now I have all these youngsters. I'm probably going to go get the Morris twins because I want them on this team. And I want those type of vets taking these guys under their wing, like protecting these guys as they grow. I mean, the question is whether John Wall is the type of leader that you do what like Chris Paul did for Phoenix and Oklahoma City, right? It's it's funny what it did is it, what it's going to do for Jason Kidd. That's why I say everyone needs a little bit of humility. I think Chris Paul got his in OKC, and then he made it out of something. And I think John Wall got his as well, or is, or is receiving his. He's in. He's in the midst of his humble. Because I mean, uh, John Wall has always been incredible. You know, yes. Incredible watch. Incredible athlete. And there was always that incredibly frustrating aspect of him where they're like, just take this seriously, dude. Like Bradley Beal's taking this seriously. Otto Porter, to some extent, is taking this seriously. All we need you to do is be healthy and locked in, and he could never quite grasp it. He, and I think the adversity he's been through will probably get him yes. on the right, on the right, you know, right path. I, I think so. I think he was just a, a young hothead. It's like a lot of these guys. I think, I think Jalen uh, Johnson is out to prove the whole world wrong. You know, how dare you go against Coach K? You know what I mean? So, so it's it, sometimes things you know happen at the right time. You can catch lightning in a bottle, and that's why I think John Wall's on that hype. I think the next place. I think he and Demarcus didn't work in Houston because they were still playing. They weren't good for each other. They're, 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 they're brothers. They're hanging out still. No. Yeah, they're, they're too close. They're too close. They're too close. Yeah, you guys are kind of like like alienating yourself from everybody else. Nah, we got to break that up. The bromance has to... It was Steve Francis and uh, Coutinho Mobley. Coutinho? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I love what, what Houston is doing. Trey Murphy looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, um, it makes that Brandon Ingram thing even... <sighs> Yeah, you're right. I'm right, right? Yeah, you're right. I'm right. Yeah, you're right. I was like, is he a piercer? It makes the Brandon Ingram thing look... (laughs) It's Jalen Johnson and and John Collins all over again. It's so confusing. It's even... uh, But, but yeah, I mean, the the jumper is translating. That's what you wanted to see from Murphy. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, 
Um, anybody that you want to see more from or anything that you want to see that you haven't seen from someone, I'm, I'm disappointed in Ev- Evan Mobley so far. I am too. Um, there's, there's, uh, he's a little too passive. Yes. And the thing of summer league is you watch guys like Patrick Williams put up like 30 points, right. you know, nine rebounds and you're like, well, that's awesome. But you're not like crown him. Right. right. Because these guys, like they do in, you know, the G League, should light this thing up. Right. Because they're playing against, you know, 35-year-old Kenneth Fareed, or, you know, the best player from University of Santa Barbara. Um, And to see Mobley struggling with some confidence issues is not a good sign. I won't write him off. It's just troubling to think about... um, Jared Allen kind of struggles with some of those same issues. Right. And if that becomes a trend, then these guys are going to just work out as well as we thought. Yeah, they're going to blow past Sexton and Garland and just be like, oh, the seven-footers are there? That's okay. We'll go to them too. Uh, Yeah, because if there's weakness, and the fact is Sexton can't guard anybody. Right. Once you get past him and get past Okoro, you're going to dunk all over those those fools. You're just yeah. going to do it each and every time. The thing that I'm, I'm having an issue with Evan Mobley is he do, he just doesn't seem like he's interested. Like, yeah. like, and that's crazy to say that after like a two, three summer league game. It's like, oh, okay, I'll go get the rebound, I guess. Oh, I'll pass it. Who cares? I don't know why that's the voice. but It's, it's like he's still in the combine like training camps, right? He, he's he, doing his five on fives. It's... it's <sighs> He puts his shades on and, and he's got on flip flop. That's what I see, and he's just sitting by the beach, like, yeah, okay, I'll play. Hey, we need one more. You want to play? Yeah, all right. And I'll just stand out here and just shoot jumper. It's kind of like he doesn't really. I don't know. Maybe he needs to get elbowed one time in the, in the gut or something. Or maybe maybe Cleveland needs to bring their dad on to him to the <laughs> to the coaching. Yeah. I don't know. Get get him in there, you know. Maybe maybe Cleveland needs to hire like Charles Oakley. Now maybe they maybe they do. Just bust a dude in the chops. Maybe over. they do. Yeah. J.R. Smith has enrolled. J.R. Smith has enrolled. Uh, right. No, no. <laughs> right. I guess crazy went. Well, Segway went to Segway. <laughs> J.R. Smith enrolled in North Carolina A&T and intends to join the HBCU men's golf team if he gets cleared by the NCAA. Remember, J.R. Smith went straight from uh, high school to the pros. I think that this is brilliant. Hey, you gonna pay your way to class? Why you should have some eligibility, right? Isn't this what uh, overtime elite and is promising those guys as well? If if you don't make it, you can go back to college. Isn't this literally the premise that the NCAA has been lying to people about in terms of being a student athlete? It's like you're always going to be part of this university. Come back. I'm I'm proud of Jack. You know, I'm very proud that he's taking on himself to to go back and get a degree and to. You know, make these kinds of connections and experiences because I don't think you're ever too old to try to educate yourself. And and think about it this way: that's obviously going to br- obviously going to bring some sort of revenue to that university. Yeah. Can you imagine all of Josh Smiths of the world going to Georgia State and playing golf? Like what that can do for for you know? So why not? I mean, yeah, of course. Like I um. I'm enjoying seeing these steps that these historically black colleges are taking mm-hmm. um, just in terms of, you know, strengthening their, their I'm going to call it a product. Right. 
Right. I don't mean it like that, right? Mm-hmm. Just their cultural footprints. Boo! Sean's meant it like that. Boo! <laughs> That's going to be an effect. That's going to be in one of the comments. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, good, good luck, guys. Go ahead and call the, the boyhood of our mitzvah. <laughs> a white listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube